Well, good morning again. Good. Well, it's really wonderful to be kicking off the Advent series with, with us uh, here at River Church uh, this Christmas. Um, you know, I, I'm, Christmas is always a wonderful time of the year, isn't it? We always get excited about Christmas. Our children get even more excited. I'm sure it gets earlier and earlier that they want to put the decorations up. And, um, and we, we managed to hold them off to the um, 1st of December. The tree went up. I, I felt Christmas was earlier this year. I don't know whether it's because the 1st of December was on a Saturday. And so you just sort of, things go up. But, um, but yeah, Christmas is certainly um, coming quickly upon us. And at Christmas... We like to give gifts, don't we? Give, Christmas is all about gifts. We did a series once on Christmas. We talked about the gift of Christmas, which was, which was Jesus himself. So, um, so in the spirit of Christmas, I bought some gifts. So here we have. Now, I'm not sure how many people are here, and I'm not sure how many chocolates we get in one of these. So this could be um, uh, a bit of a... I could start at the front, and then those that were late will we'll have to... Uh, Oh, I could send it to the back. But before I do that, I'm just going to hold on to it for a moment. And the thing is about, you know, gifts and things. It's really nice when we receive a gift. And when somebody says to us, you know, I, actually, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to make a promise and I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to give you something. And then it takes a lot of trust, doesn't it, to that you'll then receive what they've promised. You will get these, honest, honest. You can trust me with this one. But, but what I wanted to do, uh, one of the things that we've been doing a lot of in this church, and those of you that are members of, of know about this, we've been doing the Living Free course, um, which has been a time where we've, um, in the evenings, we've been getting together, and we've been looking at how we can live lives freer in the things of God, how we can know freedom in our own hearts of who God's made us to be. And one of the things in that is we've been looking at how we hear from God, of how God speaks to us individually, but also um, in groups, small groups, large groups. And what I want us to do now is just for a few moments, because I've got time this morning, Tim's lovely given me lots of time to um, share God's word with you this morning, but I just want to give a couple of minutes to give us an opportunity to hear from God, just right now, in this moment, for ourselves. The temptation is for us that our leaders in this room is to hear God for other people. But what I want you to do in this moment is to hear God for yourself. It might be in the worship, God's already spoken to you. He's already spoken to you maybe something about lifting your eyes to him, about looking to him, about receiving something that he wants to say to you individually about who he is. You know, I loved Mike's you know, that faith element of, of faith is something we don't see, but trusting in the providence and the goodness and the power of God at work in our lives. I'm going to hold these box of chocolates, and it might be that God wants to speak to you through these chocolates, that he has something for you, that he has a gift for you, that something maybe you've been praying for might be just around the corner. And we believe as Christians that God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to pray for each and every one of us, before I hand these out, for us to hear something fresh 
a fresh revelation from God this morning. So Father, I thank you that you are here by your spirit and that you desire to speak to us this morning, in this moment, through your word in a moment, but just in this moment, maybe through these chocolates, that there's something that you want to say to each and every individual in this room. And I pray you would do that now in Jesus' name. Okay. So, um, wonderful. So, we, I'm now going to hand the chocolates out. So, where shall I start is the question. I'm going to start at the back, at the back. Okay, so this is the first um, of our Advent series. And what we're looking at today is the promised king. Today... Uh, and over the next few weeks, we're looking at different aspects, if you like, of the arrival of King Jesus over this Christmas season. Um, today, we're looking at, uh, we're considering how God's promises are true today, as they were on the first day of Christmas over 2,000 years ago. And the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Amen. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. His promise to redeem his people, his promise to love his people, his promise to give the opportunity for all those who are willing to draw close to him, to know him personally, that Jesus is the doorway to knowing God, that Jesus is the promised king. Now, it's been said before, and I think I've even said it before, that there are many prophetic words in the Bible about Jesus' birth, his life. Uh, And in fact, there are, you know, some scholars say there's over 300 prophetic words pertaining to the life of Jesus written in Scripture. You know, we live now in this privileged position of being able to know Jesus, of being able to read the stories that Jesus lived He died, was buried, rose again, and we can live in that truth. Now, I just have a little story for you. It's good to see those chocolates moving around. So I've just got a little story for you that uh, that, uh, is quite interesting. And and I have two children. Their names are Tom and Noah. And from time to time, I do this little treasure hunt for my two children. So uh, when they get home from school, they see these little notes as they run in, and they're really excited because they could be different things. It could be to find other little things. But on this time, I thought I'd hide some money. I've not done this before. Um, but unfortunately, I only had 54p in my wallet. So what they had to do is they had to find 27, do the math, 27p each, and I feed 27p in one room and 27p in the other. Um, a, a generous parent, I know. But, but on other occasions... Um, you know, I, I am able to bless them in other ways. But, but it was fun, and they graciously go off and hunt for this money. It's just funny when you see them find one P, and they're like, thanks. So off they go, they find this money, and I thought what I'd do with this treasure hunt is I'd make it a little bit more interesting. And when they found all this money, and because it was 27P, I thought, well, why don't I get them to look up a Bible verse? Yes, get the spiritual bit in which is verse 27. And at the time, I was in Matthew. So they looked up Matthew 8, one of them looked up Matthew 8, 27. And 
Do you know that Bible verse says this? It says, the men, the disciples, were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And at first you think, well, that's a bit of a strange verse to throw at them. But I just, for me, it just struck me that even the disciples, when Jesus performs this, it was the story of where uh, Jesus calms a storm. But even with the disciples, when they were walking with Jesus, when they were living with him, they had no idea that Jesus was to be the Messiah, the promised king. And they've lived and known him for this time. Who is this kind? What kind of man is this? Where even the wind and the waves obey him. So I want us this morning to just think about Jesus as this promised king. That Jesus is the one who fulfills the promises of the Bible. That he is the word. That he was in the beginning. That he was the one who was promised. You see... The problem is that Jesus didn't come in the form of the promised king that everyone was expecting. See, many of the Jewish people were expecting a king, but a king like the kings that we know of today, that, were, that have a, a nation, a physical kingdom, and that's what they were expecting. They were definitely expecting a king, a deliverer, a messiah, but not one who would die humiliatingly and painfully on a cross. As we read in in the book of Matthew, when the wise men from the east, led by a star, came to Herod, looking for this king, Herod called all the chief priests together and the teachers of the law. And he asked them, well, where is this king, this Christ, this Messiah that is to be born? And they replied, Bethlehem in Judea. He's to be born in Bethlehem. So all the teachers of the law, the the chief priests that were around Herod at the time, they knew of this promised king. They knew he was coming and they knew where he was going to be born. But I think they were expecting something very different than what they got. They weren't expecting a baby to be born in a stable. For them, the promised king They would have thought it was a king that would come and overthrow the Roman authorities. But God had a different plan. He had a much bigger vision for his purposes. His purposes, wonderful. Thank you. Has anyone not had a chocolate that wants one? Okay, good. There are some good ones. Look at that. There's more than just Milky Ways. So Jesus wasn't a promised king that would overthrow the Roman authorities, that would take the physical land for himself, for God. God's vision and plan was that Jesus would take a spiritual kingdom, that he would overthrow Satan and every spiritual authority that opposed the will of God the Father. That's a much bigger plan that God had for sending Jesus, his son, to earth. His bigger plan was also to to demonstrate a love that was so great that God would give his own son that would overcome death itself for all those who trust in him. That's a much bigger plan. Jesus is the promised king, but not the promised king that everyone was expecting. 
Jesus came for the lost. He came for the sinner. He came for the broken. You know, if you feel lost today, you are in the right place. It's no accident that you are here because Jesus wants to meet with you. He wants you to know that you no longer need to be lost, but you could be found in him because he's eternal and he has a love for you and he has a purpose for you that when you come to him, you receive that into your heart. You receive the truth that you are indeed a child of God. If you're hurting today, then you're in the right place. Because Jesus promises to heal. He promises to heal the brokenhearted, the sick. And he can do that for you today. If you're in need today, then you're in the right place. Because Jesus has an endless supply of resources and promises to help all of us in our hour of need. Now, the disciples didn't really understand very much of Jesus and and who he was and why he'd come throughout his life, but they got it in the end. Their eyes were opened, and they saw Jesus for who he said he was all along. After Jesus' resurrection and the disciples were gathered in Jerusalem, we see a completely different group of followers. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit, ready to proclaim the good news, ready to go. They'd received a supernatural impartation and their eyes were opened to who Jesus was. That Jesus, that all those things that needed to happen, needed to happen in order that the kingdom might be explained through them and through us. And how do we know that it needed to happen because we read about it again and again in the book of Acts. There is an account after account of the first disciples explaining the truth of who Jesus was, why he came, the significance of the cross, his death and resurrection, that he had to die in order that we may know life. In order that we may know life. And now what I want to do is share with you one of these stories in the book of Acts. And I just picked out three verses from Acts 13. Now, I now have this challenge of reading from my Bible, but holding the microphone at the same time. Right, so I'm going to read from verse 23. So here we have um, Paul has arrived at this uh, wonderful place, um, Pisidian Antioch, that's the place. And um, And he's arrived here, and on the Sabbath, he he goes into the synagogue, and they sit down, and there's some reading from the law of Moses and the prophets, and the synagogue rulers, um, you know, send word to them, brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. I like that. They've just arrived, they've literally just been part of what's been going on amongst the Jewish community, and then they get invited to speak. How wonderful is that? And then Paul starts explaining about the, the sort of history of, the, um, of, of God's people and how he's led them over the, the time. And then he said in verse 23, from, Dave, from this man's descendants, from David's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he has promised. So he begins, after he's sort of explained a bit more what they already know, that actually that God 
has brought the, the Savior, the, the Messiah. That there is a man that has lived and, and now died, and he was that Messiah, that Savior, the one who Jesus, the one who God has promised. And then he explains a bit more how uh, God, that he had to die, but God raised him from the dead. And then in verse 32, he then tells them the good news. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. So he tells them the truth. He tells the people in the synagogue the truth of who Jesus is, that he is the one who's fulfilled all the promises that went before. That Jesus is the promised king. And then he quotes uh, the second psalm and, and he quotes again other uh, pieces of scripture from the law, from the, um, the history of the, um, the, the, the God's people. And what I find just so amazing about this is the impact that it has on the people in that room, in the people of the synagogue, that they're encouraged to come back the following week and explain more. It stirred up interest. The Holy Spirit was working in people's hearts to respond to the truth of who Jesus was and who he is. You know, there's great understanding of how Jesus was the fulfillment of all the promises of God. That these early believers, these early apostles, these early disciples had grasped and they were communicating to the people around them. You know, we too have inherited the promises of God. We too can experience and enjoy the promises of God. And it takes faith in Jesus, trusting in Jesus. As disciples explain these truths, many came to faith. If we look through the, the book of Acts, we see many come to trust in God's promises through the words of Paul. But not everyone. As we read, the message stirred up anger among Jewish community. In fact, in this very town, we go on and read that they were persecuted and eventually they were kicked out. But you know, the most incredible thing is, and I love this, even though they were treated with disrespect, you know, they were sworn at, they would have been uh, maybe even physically attacked, uh, jeered. You know, it wouldn't have been very nice. But even though we read in the last verse of this um, chapter, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy because they'd had the opportunity to talk about their Savior, their Lord, the one who'd um, fulfilled all the promises that they were walking in. You know, sometimes I think we can gauge the success of what we do on how people react around us, on how the world reacts. You know, we can gauge the success of that. We can be quite fearful. We can be quite nervous about sharing the gospel, about talking about our faith. But the promises are true yesterday, today, and forever. The promises of God will never change. But sometimes we can... We can get caught up in the world and the fear and the, um, and the frustration. And my encouragement to us all is to celebrate the successes with each other when we do have opportunities to share the good news, when we do have opportunities to give testament to what God's done in our lives, when we've seen a promise of God fulfilled. 
You know, I find that Scripture is a great way of standing and knowing God's promises and walking in God's promises. Because the Word of God in a season can get you through a difficult time. A Word of God in a season can be a word of encouragement you can give to someone else and build them up and encourage them in their faith and help them stand on the promises of God. You know, let's celebrate those conversations, those successes that we have with each other. You know, a conversation with a non-believer about church is a success, and you give thanks for it. Giving someone one of these books is a success, even if they don't read it. Honestly, celebrate that. Give thanks that you've been able to put that into someone's hands this Christmas. You know, um, (laughs) letting a car pass in a narrow road when you're in a hurry and feeling joyful about it when they don't say thank you is a success. You know, I once read, church is a community. Hallelujah. Kingdom is an activity. Church is a community. Kingdom is an activity. You know, we're about proclaiming God's kingdom. We're about taking God's promises, God's kingdom, and sharing it, not just with each other, but the world around us. Because the kingdom of God is eternal. It's awesome. It's so amazing that, you know, God wants to grasp how awesome and how incredible it is. You know, I had this quote, and I want to read it to you. It's from C.S. Lewis, and it's in a sermon about the weight of God's glory. And he says this, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink, sex, and ambition, when infinite joy is offered to us. You know, I think that's the first time I've ever said sex in a preach in this church. (laughs) Uh, I thought that was quite funny. We've got infinite joy offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And yet there is so much more for us, for us who are easily satisfied with mud pie lives for ourselves and for those we care about. There's so much more for us as we trust, as we step out in faith in the things that God has for us. So, Paul and the other disciples had grasped something of the truth for what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, to walk in the promises of God. Their commitment to God's promises no matter what. Now, I think in considering the arrival of the promised King Jesus, this time of Advent, we are left with three challenges, and I want to share those with you very briefly. Firstly, how do we make the promises of God as real and relevant, uh, relevant, relevant, relevant for those around us, for our work colleagues, for our neighbors, for people that we know who don't know Jesus? How do we make it real and relevant? Well, we give them this book. <laughs> we have opportunities that we make to share the good news of Jesus. Just even if it's sharing a testimony of what God's done for you, will make a difference to testifying to the promises of God. Secondly, second challenge. 
The challenge of knowing God's promises, but then actually walking in them daily like the men and women of Hebrews 11. It says in Hebrews 11, as it shares um, Abraham by faith, you know, and Noah by faith, uh, built an ark. Um, you know, Abraham had promises that God, he saw come to pass, but obviously his promises he didn't. But it says in Hebrews 11, verse 32, that these men and women through faith gained what was promised. They gained what was promised. They actually um, experienced the truth that they could receive it here and now and walk in it. Now, there were a number of people, it then goes on a verse later, that some didn't receive all of that they were promised. But we can receive what God has promised. God has promised to be with us, that we're never alone. That's a promise we can receive right now as we walk with him. And the third challenge is living with the now and the not yet. Sort of what I almost inferred there. Jesus has fulfilled the promise of God when he died on the cross and rose again. You know, that we can have uh, eternal life with him. That we can have a personal relationship with the living God. Hallelujah. But the battle still rages around us. And we need to stand on God's promises with confidence that he is a God of his word. And that he will go with us every single day as we walk with him. Now, I just wanted to share this uh, quote from Charles Spurgeon. (laughs) And um, I I share a lot of quotes from Charles Spurgeon because I just love them. He's such a good writer and puts it in such a really nice and good way. And he said this about the promises of God. The promises of God are to the believer an inexhaustible mine of wealth. Happy is it for him if he knows how to search out their secret veins and enrich himself with their hidden treasures. They are to him an armory containing all manner of offensive and defensive weapons. Blessed is he who has learned to enter into the sacred arsenal, to put on the breastplate and the helmet and to lay his hand to the spear and to the sword. They are to the believer a surgery in which he will find all manner of restorations. He shall find therein an ointment for every wound, a cordial for every faintness, a remedy for every disease. Blessed is he who is well skilled in a heavenly pharmacy and knows how to lay hold of the healing virtues of the promises of God. Isn't it great to hear such an elegant way of explaining the promises of God? And he goes on. The promises of God are, the Christi- are to a Christian the storehouse of food. They are as the granaries which Joseph built in Egypt, or as the golden pot wherein the unrotting manna was preserved. Blessed is he who can take five barley loaves and fishes of promise and break them till he has 5,000 necessities that shall all be supplied. And he is able to gather up baskets full of fragments. The promises are the Christian's magna carta of liberty. They are the title deeds of his heavenly estate. Happy is he who knows how to read them well and call them all his own. To call them your own. To walk in them. To standing them. Sorry, that was my little bit. They are the jewel room in which the Christian's crown uh, treasures are preserved. The regalia secretly his today but which he shall openly wear in paradise. He is already a king who has the silver key with which to unlock the strong room. 
he may even now grasp the scepter, wear the crown, and put on his shoulders the imperial mantle. Oh, how unutterably rich are the promises of our faithful covenant-keeping God. Amen. (laughs) Do you know, I think she obviously has a nose for chocolate. How did she... Uh, Louise, you put her up to it, didn't you? Yes, you did. Just to disrupt. It's all right. Don't worry. Does she want one? She's very welcome to have one. Oh, wow. There you go. She knows what she wants. Brilliant. You see? You see, I think that's prophetic. You know, the promises of God. God wants us to go after them like children. Just go and grab them. They are yours for the taking. Believe it. Brilliant. Fantastic. So, finally then, how do we outwork these promises in our lives? And I have just seven thoughts to close. Firstly, pray into your life God's promises. You know, if there is a particular area in life where you might be struggling, turn to the Word of God, find Scripture, and pray those over your life until they really grip you as this is God's promise for me. Meditate on his promises. You know, there are some promises that God gives through different seasons. You know, a few years back, when I was going through a particular hard time, there was one piece of scripture that just, it felt like it just kept me going. And it was Isaiah 40, uh, verses 29 to 31. And it's verses like that, in key times of your life, that you think, God, yeah, you really sustained me during that time. You know, and those verses... You may know them. It talks about, you know, those who hope in the Lord will will renew their strength. That's a promise from God. You know, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Number three, believe that God has said it. The very word of God is as much as true. Believe it. Believing it and having faith that God That promise is for you at at that moment in time. Number four, be sure to do what the promise requires. Sometimes, in order to receive the promise, there are things that need to be outworked first. For example, if the promise requires courage, then use courage and you'll enjoy the promise. Let me just say that again. If the promise requires something like courage, then use courage and you will enjoy the promise. You know, Spurgeon says, if in the promise the Lord commands you to deny yourself, in whatever way that might be, you cannot obtain the promise without doing so. Whatever Christ has said unto you, do it. Neglect no command, however trivial it may seem. I like Spurgeon. He gets straight to the point. Number five, get alongside others who by faith and patience inherit themselves the promises of God. Get alongside others who you can see are walking in the promises of God. You can see the faith and the patience they have in receiving those promises. You know, some promises come quickly. Some take what seems forever. And that's normal. And it's good to learn from those who are more wise than ourselves, who can guide us in this process. Number six, begin to build a reservoir of God's promises. You know, get hold of ones that are suitable for different occasions that you can just bring to mind when you have a moment 
that you need to really stand on God's promises. You know, hold on to them until they become part of you. Scripture. You know, I love doing that thing with my kids because I feel like I now know Matthew 8, 27. You know, the other one we did was uh, Matthew 6, 27. And Matthew 6, 27 is the verse that says, who can add an hour to their life by worrying? And I feel I've, I've learned that verse by playing that simple game with my children. Who can add an hour of their life? That's a promise that you can't add any more hours to your life by worrying. So don't worry. Number seven. Number seven, the last one. Give thanks for all of God's promises. Just give thanks for them. Uh, whether they are big, whether they're small. But give thanks especially for the small ones. Because that generates an attitude of thankfulness in our hearts which is really important. Jesus is the promised king. Hallelujah. You know, let's take maybe one of those three challenges that I suggested earlier. Let's take one of those on this week. You know, challenges, uh, the challenge of making Jesus known, making his promises known to others. Or maybe one of the other challenges, the challenge of daily walking in the promises of God. Okay, that's it, I think. I think I'm going to stop there. I'm just going to pray for us um, and, um, you know, and just encourage us to know and to experience and to walk in the wonderful promises of God together. So let's stand and let me just pray for you and us. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to be our saviour, to be the answer for each and every one of us. And I just thank you, Lord, for the encouragement this morning to walk in your promises. That, Jesus, you are the fulfillment of every single promise of God can be found in you, Jesus. And I just pray now, Lord, that you would continue to equip and uh, build every heart and mind and person in this place here this morning that they would know your promises deeper, more fully. And Lord, I pray for fresh promises to be received throughout this coming week. Thank you, Jesus.